Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. And Ryan Newman has decided that Nebraska only wins when he's not on the podcast, so it's probably right. a, a smart call for him not to be here this week. Uh, but let's start out this episode with the coaching carousel. It is back in a big way, and we'll start with a very rich man. Jimbo Fisher has been fired at Texas A&M. He will be paid a $77 million buyout. What are your thoughts on uh, that decision and, and I guess the candidates? Well, the, the the money thing, too, it's incredible just because you consider two years ago, LSU was sniffing around for, for Jimbo and A&M went all in kind of again and basically reset the clock on his new yeah. tenure deal of $95 million. So, and that his contract... Mistake. Yeah, obviously. And his contract started kind of that insane spending spree that we have seen with coaches recently. So anyways, with the the firing, I don't have a problem here at all. Um, there is no reason that this team should be six and four in his sixth season, uh, five and seven last year after the incredible recruiting classes that they've had. Like, the, you know, because the recruiting success alone proves that they're just a good coaching fit away from being a factor in the sec um but because you know under jimbo they they weren't really breaking through weren't improving the offense which is his side of the ball was was just not ever really dynamic and exciting enough or or you know or good enough for sustained success he had that one nine and one season that covid year uh with kellen mon but even with that like they got destroyed by alabama they didn't win the division um you know, metric-wise, they were always pretty good, but not elite and definitely not good enough when it comes to uh, wins and losses. Yeah, I mean, if they have the money for the buyout, then then sure, I, I agree with the decision to fire him. So it does seem kind of crazy with these buyouts that um, it's in the age of NIL, when we can kind of get some of this money to the to the players, is it not more optimal to just, you know... Use all the money that you were get, that they're now going to use to to get a new coach. Why can't you just use all of that on on NIL instead and get a coach from like D two for a million dollars oh, yeah, a year or something? <laughs> I don't know. It's probably a dumb idea, but it seems in theory like it would it could work. But uh, but yeah, okay. So so you cut out that my internet again. A little bit of an issue here. Did you talk about any candidates, or do you want me to get to? No, you you can start that. Okay, so. First, you got to try to go for the home run, guys. Right? Take take a swing. Uh, Dan Lanning at Oregon—that would be crazy for Oregon to lose yet another coach like that. I, I would not anticipate it. Mike Norvell, Florida State. Kalen DeBoer, Washington. All three of those guys, I would strongly bet against them leaving their current spots. They're in good situations. Things are going well. Is it really kind of worth the the risk to uh, to go to A and M? We'll see. Um, Lane Kiffin is. I think kind of I think would be a home run as well and just at least in my head seems more realistic um because he's always talking about how he can't recruit the five stars there at Ole Miss well A&M there's a chance to recruit a national championship caliber roster so I don't know if if there would be mutual interest there but if I was if I was the AD at A&M I would strongly consider him um yeah well how about some more realistic guys maybe uh Mike Elko, um, at he's the Duke head coach. He's done an incredible job, you know, at Duke so far. And this year alone, like if Riley Leonard isn't didn't get hurt, you know, they there's a chance they're like still 
you know, in discussion for, uh, for winning the ACC this year, but you know, he, he was, he was the A&M defensive coordinator before. I feel like just with him, you know, they would just be a good offensive coordinator higher away from, from being like a solid, solid program. He's not like the, you know, the sexiest hire, but he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's solid. Like he's, <laughs> he's done a really good job. It's just, and so it would, it would be sensible. I'd be fine with it, but it's for some reason, maybe it's just cause it's, it's, still a short track record there at Duke. And yeah, I don't know. It's not like when, and it's his success at Duke is, is relative like DeBoer, of course, a a short track record, at least in his, in his stint at Washington. But when you outperform at Washington, you're a playoff contender. When you outperform at Duke, it's like, all right, he's going, you know, nine and three or whatever. Yeah. And I don't like the Norvell thing is, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's totally ridiculous. Just be, I mean, he has some Texas ties. It would be kind of ironic for them to go back to the Florida state. Well, um, I guess because, you know, you look at Florida state, maybe if he's look the way he might look at it is like, they're not in the most solid footing with the ACC at the moment. Um, but on the flip side, he does have like the number three recruiting class, I think for next year already. So like, would he be willing to bail on that? And, and they're obviously still in playoff position this year, but another guy's like Jeff trailer, uh, UTSA mm-hmm. got the Texas high school ties, so you know he could keep up the recruiting. Now again, it, it's you know is A and M willing to gamble? Because he's he's worthy of a Power Five job, but is this like too big, too fast? Sort of. Yeah, deal? yeah, I really like him, but yeah, that there's that question mark. It's it's at least he's been an assistant at at big time uh, Power Five programs, so that kind of would make me feel a little bit better. Um, but yeah, it's it's yeah. a risk. And then like. I think, you know, talk like guys like Jonathan Smith, you know, is he's, he's an incredible coach, but, um, you know, obviously the money would be better for him than staying as alma mater, but is he a good fit? You know, that's a, that's a question. Same with like people throw out Dion Sanders, like Hmm. Dion, obviously if you gave him the resources, it would be exciting, but I don't know if that just doesn't, that matchup does not seem like a cultural fit. No, especially the way the second half of the season's going at Colorado. You know, maybe if Colorado was going eight and four this year, then yeah, might be worth the swing. But yeah, and then well, other guys that maybe maybe wouldn't be a fit: Chris Kleiman and Lance Leipold. Maybe they would. I mean, they're this the floor would be extremely high with those guys because they're great coaches. Right. But it's just, of course, the coaches at K State and Kansas. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. It is is an elite level job really where they fit i don't know why i i have my concerns there but yeah i don't know maybe it's the recruiting but nil they they kind of you know maybe it's a recruiting is a different ball game than it used to be yeah it'll be fascinating just because they've obviously got the cash to spend it are they going to want to make the home run higher are they going to want to just get you know someone solid like that yeah you have to with each after lincoln rally went to USC and, and Brian Kelly went to LSU, you do kind of have to keep your eyes open for something crazy to happen, right? You can't just go down the normal routes right. and candidates because who knows what could happen. I mean, I know people have to bring up Dabo Sweeney or crazy ones like that where it's like, okay, you at least have to sit there and think about it. Sure. All right. Um, moving on to Mississippi State, they fired Zach Arnett. Uh, what about your thoughts or any candidates on this one? Yeah, I mean this this one makes sense. It's not like they hired 
Arnett because they did a big nationwide search and he was a super desirable candidate that everyone would have wanted. It was just, you know, the defense had been successful and he was there after, of course, a, a tough situation with Leach's passing. So they gave him a shot and just didn't work out. He, he switched up the offense that that Leach. did not that did not work. And it's been a very disappointing season. So you might as well just move on and try and get someone that the fan base can be excited about. And for candidates, I don't even want to look past one. Maybe you'll have another name, but Jamie Chadwell just makes oh, yeah, he, too much he fits, sense he fits. from Liberty. Yeah, because he's like Mullen, uh, who had, of course, a ton of success there. He's got just great offensive X's and O's to where he can out-scheme people and he'll be able to... He's going to have less talent, but he can, he can outperform. So did an amazing job at Coastal, amazing job in year one at Liberty. It just, I don't know, it makes too much sense. For both sides, really. Why wouldn't Chadwell want to go make a ton more money and get in the SEC? I agree that, you know, I think Mississippi State is kind of the right profile of a program, of a Power 5 program, to at least to start for him, and, and that would be good. But, hey, like, why not Dan Mullen? Bring him back if, if he's interested. Yeah, yeah like, if he wants to. You know, let's, let's, let's try this. Um, obviously, things are different, you know, seven-plus years later, whatever it is. But um, uh, another guy like Rhett Lashley, I saw he's doing great at SMU, but you could you could arguably make the case that SMU with the money that they have and going to the ACC maybe is better than going and trying to win at Mississippi State in the SEC. I don't know, but you, you could, yeah. And then what about like Willie Fritz? Is he looking for a new challenge? Does he want to go? Yeah, to, to the That's, Power Five. So he's at Tulane, of course, but it'll be interesting yeah, it, where they go. I feel like when when you're at a little bit lower profile job, there's more names that you could throw out there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because I know <laughs> you don't. I think it's because you don't need that. I'm always with the elite jobs. I'm like, yes, you want a great coach, but you want one who's also a great recruiter. Whereas with a Mississippi State type job, it's like I'll just settle for a great coach. You know, yeah, I, the recruiting yeah. thing. They'll find like, their niche. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, this one is not really hasn't happened yet, but Chip Kelly. There are some reports out there that they say it's likely that that he's going to be fired. Nothing, nothing rock solid like from Bruce Feldman saying this is a done deal. But if this were to happen, what what do you think about that? Well, it's funny. At first blush, when I heard this, I was like pretty surprised, just because I hadn't really thought about it. But then you kind of dig in. If this happens again, big if, it's not that crazy. Um, yeah, especially when there's. Rumors allegedly he's lost kind of the trust of some of the power brokers and donors. But just like that aside, the resume wise, he's 33, 33 and 33. Um, he hasn't been awful, but they just they never really broken through. He, he's clearly not getting UCLA to the Oregon level that that he had it. Um, they've only been to three. This will be their third bowl game in six years. Never in contention for a Pac-12 title. And then, you know, the recruiting was always just average or even below average in some years. Um, this year alone, the offense has been really bad since they lost DTR. Um, you know, they've had a couple bad losses to the Arizona schools recent weeks. Like, and as they go to the big 10 next year, like they're not trending up. All right. Sorry. Again, I, I didn't catch the end of that, but I think you, I, from what I heard, you sounds like you, you echo my, my thoughts there. It's, it's not, wouldn't be terribly surprising. Um, yeah. all right, we got some, some G five news, uh, Brady Hoke retiring at San Diego state. I don't know if it's a forced retirement or or uh, a real one, but it's just 
after year two for him there, they went 12 and two, and I was sky high on what he was going to do there. There was a second tenure there. Of course, the first one went extremely well, and it just it just went went downhill fast three and seven this year one and five in mountain west play just no reason for sdsu to be that bad and then boise state fired andy avalos after starting this year five and five you know it's not like he was bad but when you're following chris peterson and brian harson the bar is super high and when you feel the program start to slip it's kind of reminds me of like nebraska in uh the early 2000s yeah you 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 want to you, you're trying to you don't want it to slip so make the move now and and hopefully you don't hire bill callahan you know <laughs> isn't it it's kind of interesting I, maybe this happened i haven't i'd have to look back but it seems like we're getting even earlier and earlier with these these firings like it yeah i guess there's so. some there's, there's does... somewhere it's like usually years past where it's so like obvious but yeah. a couple of these i'm surprised they pulled the trigger early yeah that's true because yeah boise state they're not like they're still in the the Mountain West title race, like right. That, so that is, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, we had a, a coordinator firing as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. Penn State's offensive coordinator Mike Yursich. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, it's not. It makes sense. The twelve points against Ohio State, fifteen points against Michigan. That's that's the measuring stick because. They've been doing obviously, they do well against everyone else they play, but yeah, they and the offense does 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 pretty well. But you're they're trying to get over that hump. They're trying to make the playoff. They're trying to win the Big Ten. I know they did it once, but um, and the offense just just was so pathetic in those games <laughs> in, in in particular, especially this Michigan game this weekend where at, Michigan at one point what had thirty two straight run plays. Yeah. Technically, I know they had like a, I think a play action pass interference in there, but Michigan decided we don't need to throw anymore. Like we don't need to try to score because Penn State's not going to score like, or at least not enough to really threaten us. So that's, that's not good. And, and Drew Aller has, I mean, I don't want to say bust yet. He's still very young, but it's just, it hasn't been. It's more the same. So yeah. Well, also, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, yeah, go ahead. What do you got? Well, I just want to bring up, I guess, uh, Jim Harbaugh. We, we, oh, yeah. I mean, everyone's probably already listened to a podcast that discussed this, but of course, the, the three game suspension. What did you, what did you think about the whole situation? And by the time you listen to this, what, there's a, they're going to be in court on Friday to, uh, yeah, exactly. See if you can come back. But I mean, my sentiments are kind of the same as what we had talked about last week before the suspension was handed down, but on Patreon. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Um, I just, it's just, it's just kind of like, I'm so, I'm almost kind of over this story. I think it's gotten so overblown. I'm not saying that Michigan shouldn't be punished or he shouldn't be punished if there's, there's facts out there, but it's just, it's just drawn out way too much where, cause I know we know, we all know Michigan would be good without all this going on. And so I don't know. I'm just trying to focus on like the pure football aspect of it. Yeah. And, I don't know. I avoid the drama. Yeah, I have a little bit maybe stronger take this week than than on the the Patreon just because. So now the punishment, I guess I don't have a necessarily a strong take on the punishment. I've heard a lot of people talk about maybe just a hefty fine would have been better and I I I kind of like that idea. I think that would have been a good way to go about it, but uh whatever. I mean, you there 
he's going to miss three game days, which realistically, I mean, you saw when it was announced that Harbaugh was missing the Penn State game, point spread didn't move. So right. in all likelihood, it has very little or potentially no effect on their ability to actually win on Saturday, whether he's on the sideline or not. So it's really not that heinous of a punishment. I know it it sucks, but if, if you're a Michigan fan, but the, they, I mean, I don't have the evidence myself, but they have the evidence that Connor Stallions broke the rules. Like they, they, he was a Michigan staff member, broke the rules, and they're not punishing, they're not saying that, you know, because there's been some evidence coming out that like maybe it's getting more and more likely that maybe Harbaugh didn't know at all. But the Big Ten's punishment is saying, yeah, even if he does didn't know, we're not punishing him for that. We're punishing him for what we do know that he broke the advanced scouting rules. So this is the punishment. And it just kind of feels like just take the punishment and let's just move on. But whatever, they're they're going to fight it. So, yeah, yep. It is too bad. Like if it, if it, if it kind of holds out just for him not to be on the sideline for the Ohio state game, just as like the spectacle alone would just be great to have him there. But you know, even if it's not, it's still a good game, but it would be pretty awesome if he was there. I guess from an entertainment standpoint, I'm, I'm hoping for Michigan to, to win this, this battle and and get him back on the sideline. I mean, yeah. So that would, to me, that's all I care about is my entertainment. I don't care about, (laughs) <laughs> the, the justice in this situation it's not like you said it's not that big of a deal so yeah i guess i'm hoping for him to get back on the sideline um okay well any anything else before we get to takeaways from from last weekend nope okay so uh i'll go first here so my first takeaway was that we had two of the more surprising uh scores from that we've had all season one of them missouri beating tennessee 36 to 7 cody schrader on the ground 200 yards 100 yards receiving and missouri's now eight and two i just did not see that coming at all no, drink with the poll the cfp it's nuts insane and so yeah just finally kind of putting it together and uh hey maybe we bring up his name for a and m maybe not sexy enough but uh good year this year yeah, no, that's uh, pretty incredible. Was there was there another? Oh yeah, another one. Okay, Oklahoma State at oh, UCF. Yeah. It's not surprising that Oklahoma State lost, right? Like it was a close yeah. spread. Um, but forty five to three, <laughs> like, and it wasn't a. I mean, it's it's hard to have a misleading forty five to three. You yeah. usually don't luck yourself into forty five to three, and they didn't. Like UCF just dominated them. Uh, Gus Wall-to-wall. really. Uh, got him to play and i don't know what happened there but that's a week after or did they have a buy or was that no it was oklahoma it was bedlam last week it was bedlam last week wow it feels like so long ago but yeah yeah, a little bit of a hangover i guess i like you know all the i mean they they didn't even they didn't do anything well it's it was nuts no nothing yeah, so defense, like I think I think uh, UCF had something like 15 yards per pass attempt, something crazy. It was just yeah, wild. Um, all right, I'm gonna touch on. I got to touch on. I guess the biggest game last week, well, besides Michigan and Penn State, was Georgia Ole Miss, and I just I no longer doubt that Georgia can win the national title. Like, I mean, it, it's just amazing how good you you were doubting that pretty strongly. Well, I mean, I, I obviously, obviously knew there was a chance that could happen, but like I, you know, you just watched them. You're like, gosh, they just they don't look the same. But wow, yeah, yeah. they like. It's amazing how good 
their offense can be. And it's not just the defense. Um, they ran for 300 yards. They passed for over 300. And against a you know, pretty good Ole Miss defense, like not not stalwarts, but and they got Brock Bowers back now for the home stretch. It's just scary. And and throw in the fact that they shut down Jackson Dart and Ole Miss. That was impressive to boot. Like I thought Ole Miss was going to have some success offensively, but when they kind of solely needed to rely on the passing game, it just it it was it was game over. Um it, so like you look at it, my takeaway is we kind of know this, but at Ole Miss, it, they're just they're almost they're like Penn State where they're I feel like they're yeah. kind of at their ceiling where they can be great against everyone else but they just can't beat those top dogs at the moment yeah that's that's right um okay well my next takeaway is that i am i'm upset that Jaden daniels uh had such a great game this weekend because if you would ask me last week who i would vote for for the heisman my answer would have been Jaden daniels and i hadn't gotten that out on the pod i guess but it you know it's a little bit of a not a unique take obviously he's having a monster year but a little bit different, but not anymore because 350 yards passing, 200 yards rushing in a win against Florida. First player in FBS history to do that. Just insane because his numbers were, like I said, already crazy. So crazy that like yeah, I know. I thought he should have been the somewhat clear front runner for the Heisman. Now, even more so. Um, but I didn't think he had a chance. Like a week ago, I didn't think he had a chance because yeah, he, was, once they lost he already had those numbers and they've had they had uh three losses so it's like what's he gonna do to to get himself actually in the discussion and he he did it he had he had 600 yards or whatever no this is this is where i really hope the heisman committee the voters like they don't just look at the wins and losses like this is it's incredible it's not his fault his his defense sucks right um yeah yeah any, I'm hoping any, the Heisman any, voters do uh, uh, ignore him, though, because I, I got a little Bo Nix action. Oh, that's so. true. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's fair. All right. I'm going to touch on, briefly, Utah-Washington. So the Huskies have now played in six straight games where the game has been at least in somewhat doubt in the fourth quarter. And obviously, they've they've won them all. Um it had to be a little concerning for Husky fans when their defense gave up 28 points in the first half to a really poor Utah offense that averages about 25 a game. Um, but they bowed up in the second half. They shut them out. And but, and I also think the Husky fans, they thought they might lose this one when Tupatala dropped the oh. ball before going in the end zone. as Because at that time, they were only up five at the end of the third quarter. And it's just like, I I will never, ever understand that. I will, I just won't understand how that happens. I, and this was a record too. Like he he almost dropped that at about the three. No, like this was, one was not close. Usually not there's close. somewhere you have to slow it down, like yeah. frame by frame. Like Mm-mm. it was clear. Um, wow. But but obviously Utah couldn't capitalize. There was a safety next play, and then from then on they the offense couldn't do anything. But uh, so that was that was wild. Um, but I, I at this point I just I would love to see an Oregon Washington rematch in the Pac-12 title. There's still a lot of games here that can decide that matchup, but that would be pretty sweet. It would. I think you know likely to get it. We'll see what happens. Um, okay, so I'll bring up here. Well, I will bring up Oregon uh, USC because I have to discuss. Uh, well, I really have to discuss two two point conversion. Mm-hmm decisions one by lincoln riley in that game and then one by basically identical situation james franklin in the the penn state game 
Um, but I'll just use USC as, as the example here. So USC down 15 against Oregon late in the game. So you know you're down 15. You need a touchdown and a two-point conversion at, at, at some, some point, point to, yeah. to get back in the game. So, so USC uh, scores that, that touchdown, the first touchdown, with 344 left. So they're down 15, and then they score a touchdown. Rather than wait, they decided, let's go for two right here. And they failed. So my night is ruined because <laughs> USC loses. But it's also doubly ruined because I got to go on Twitter afterwards and try and <laughs> try and argue with people as to why it wasn't dumb for Lincoln Riley to to go for two there. Because um, everyone's saying, how do you not just kick the extra point and you're still in the game? You're down eight. And, you know, so I and so when you talk about this discussion, some of it, it, it gets labeled as analytics, the, the going for two after the first one. And so some people just immediately disagree with it because of that. But to me, it's, it's not really analytics as much as it is logic because you don't need to do any math or anything like that to figure out why going for two after the first one, you know, assuming your chances of successfully converting the two-point conversion are, are no different, you know whether you go for it after the first or the second, it's it's probably optimal to try it after the first, and it's definitely not dumb. So if you're listening to this, and there's going to be guaranteed, at least judging by Twitter, a lot of people listening to this that disagree with that, I think I've come up with, you know, hopefully a good explanation of the mistake that's happening in maybe not everyone, but a lot of people's brains when they when they think about this uh, this decision that makes, makes them think that you should absolutely wait and, and go for it after the second one. So... So here's here's what I got. So you have to compare apples to apples when you're dis- deciding when is better to go for two. So you have to look at it as if I miss the two point conversion, would I rather miss first or miss second? So miss after the first touchdown or miss second. You have to compare those two to each other. And then separately, you can't compare across these, but separately, if I make it, would I rather make it after the first touchdown or after the s- second touchdown? So when people say, "Oh well, you're screwed if you if you go for two after the first one, you miss it. You're you know you're down by nine, you're out of the game." It's like, yes, that's true, but you have to compare that to if you went for two after the second touchdown and miss it. And in that situation, you're also screwed. Like you, you're only probably more screwed because now you are finding out with maybe like five seconds left. Oh crap, I need another possession rather than with three and a half minutes left when maybe you had time to kind of adjust your strategy um, knowing you need an extra possession, like in USC's case. So they, uh, like I said, there was 344 left when they scored a touchdown, went for two, didn't get it. So now they know now on this ensuing kickoff, we can't kick it deep. We know now we have to kick on side because we need two more possessions to have any chance of winning this game. If they waited, then they, they might not have known that and just kicked it deep. And uh, so anyway... So that's that's kind of one way of 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 looking at it, um, but I thought of I think maybe a an analogy that I haven't seen anyone use that kind of displays how silly some of the arguments, especially with the announcers, make it of quote unquote staying in the game. So after USC misses the the two point conversion after the first touchdown, and and you say, see if USC just kicked the extra point they'd still be alive because they could have waited and maybe successfully converted the two-point conversion after the second touchdown. That is essentially the equivalent of saying, let's say USC did 
kicked the extra point, waited to go for two, and then missed the second two-point conversion. If after that, I said, see, USC should have gone for two after the first touchdown because maybe they would have successfully converted after that. It's like, that would be a dumb thing to say, right? That it would that'd yeah, be so yeah. stupid because the timing of when they went for it has no bearing on their odds of, of converting. But that's what you're doing when you're complaining about USC missing the first two-point conversion. It's just in a different order. So anyway, that's uh, I, I probably went on way too long there. But No, well, I've also, my also thoughts on the, the thing is, two things is one on the, I would argue, there's, I have no basis for this, but the first two-point conversion, the defense, it's not like all or nothing for the defense. Like it, it, where they might be more willing to like not play as hard on that that two point conversion. I'm not saying they do that, but like when it's when it's that last two point conversion with like five seconds left, they're all out. Like the defense is like yeah. we are. They're in it a hundred percent. Maybe maybe when it's the earlier version, they're at it ninety percent. I don't know. That's no, maybe but a silly argument. And well, then number and maybe, two, but, okay, go on. Yeah, sorry. Number two, if they do get it, you also entertain the fact that the second time you could go for two and win the game. Yeah, that's a nice bonus. Yeah, I I, I saw someone on Twitter uh, talk about how that's why analytics people like it because it opens up that possibility. And that's not why, but it's a nice little bonus, especially if you're a big underdog, for sure. It gives yeah. you that 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 uh, potential uh, if you want, if you choose to. But uh, But no, you brought up, especially in the first point, what... Like there are actually good art. I don't say good, but there are logical arguments that you should wait to go for two. But the the people on Twitter and the announcers who say you got to stay in the game, they aren't making those arguments, right? Like yeah. I'm not just dogmatically you have to go for two after the first one, but at least make an argument that is rational that you shouldn't. Like well, one argument would be maybe the defense will be more tired if you go for it after the second touchdown, right? Maybe by that point, they're kind of drained. And it's at least, you know, I don't know if that's true or if, if that means, but it's at least logical. Like I wouldn't, if someone said that and that's their reasoning, I'd be like, okay, you know, at least yeah. you're making a logical argument, but the, the stay in the game and other sorts well, there of was, things there, don't I mean, make sense. There were really. national columnists like tweeting, like Lincoln Riley being dumb dumb. But then did you also see the exchange that James Franklin had in his press conference? There were the reporter, <laughs> the reporter, because uh, the reporter, he's like, I don't even, he's like, I'm not even asking about, because James Franklin went for two at the end of the first half when they were down five. And that's a different and, one. Yeah, I don't yeah, have a strong totally take on that but, one. But 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 the, the reporter even said, I'm talking about the one with three minutes left. He's, his quote was, you keep your, he told James Franklin, he's like, you keep your team in the game. And it's just like, who is this guy to be yeah. saying that to the coach? And that's the, that's the problem when they say that. The reporter saying that to it. it wasn't even a question. <laughs> yeah, and I hope my like five minute monologue touched on why that doesn't make sense. The whole like stay in the game. The goal is to is which decision gives you the best chance to win the game, and it rather rather it's yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, it's it, just it's... and realistically, it doesn't matter. Like, I think that's what. Like people on my side of the argument, it's like the the difference in your chances of winning, whether going for too early or late, it's so, so small. I mean, I think you might as well go for it first. I think that slightly gives you a better chance. But at the very, at at most, you know, even if the whole tired argument, you know, is is true, it's like, it's basically a, 
you know, a wash. But but the problem is people who say that you sh- you should wait to go for two, they they act like it's the dumbest thing ever to go for two first. When it's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's anyway, it's not. Yeah, but uh, people just can't get over that. You know, that was how football was played for eighty years, and then they like have to. Well, I don't know how long the two point conversion's been around, but yeah, but yeah, they people don't like change. So yeah. All right, so. All right, no, no. Now I wanted to get to when you're down <laughs> yeah. eight. When you're down eight, you got to go for two. And why that? No, that yeah. one. Did oof, you explain that's... physics to me too while you're at it? <laughs> no. Yeah. I can't wait to listen back to to my monologue there because I, as I was saying it, I was like, this is the worst podcasting <laughs> solo ever. But right. uh, you, hopefully, hopefully it wasn't. You had to come, come at. I just it feel so passionately you. about that, that that I'm like. <laughs> I just want to talk about it. So anyway, all right, let's uh, let's get to football. Week twelve, gotta get to our week twelve picks. Start I had one track. last. I had one. Oh, last. you have another. Oh, okay. I had I'm one sorry. last. I just I feel like it's worthy of of bringing up. And okay. um, my one last takeaway is Jerry Kill in New Mexico State. They, if you don't remember Kill, he he's the one. He did a good job at Northern Illinois, then Minnesota, but was forced to leave because of he had the seizures and epilepsy and some other health conditions. He's resurfaced at arguably one of the worst and toughest jobs, New Mexico State. They are eight and three. They just beat one of the preseason Conference USA favorites, Western Kentucky, this past weekend. They've won six in a row. They clinched a spot in the conference title game against Liberty. Um, before Kill got there, they were two and ten. They were one and one in the COVID year, two and ten, and three and nine. And in his first two years, he was seven and six last year. It was only their second bowl game since 1960. They're going to another one this year. Like very impressive. Extremely. Um, I think uh, Joey Kanish has a big long shot ticket on them to, oh, wow. to win the conference. If if you know Joey. Wow. Um, okay. Now can we uh, we get yeah, to next week? Carry on. Okay. No, you don't want to have any uh, maybe no other shout outs. No, no two point conversion. Uh, oh, no. debates. No. Okay. Week 12. Yeah. All right. Let's start with uh, the Pac-12, week 12. Utah at Arizona. The Wildcats are favored one. And these two teams are kind of going in opposite directions. Utah, they've lost two of the last three, no longer in the Pac-12 title race. Arizona, they have momentum, won four in a row. They're feeling confident. Their new you know, freshman quarterback, Fafita. Jed Fish, he's the man, should be um, coach of the year. You know, it seems too easy to take Arizona right now. So I'm actually going to take Utah. They, they they still possess a solid defense. It's going to be the, probably the toughest test for that young Fafita and the Wildcats. And I feel like as long as Utah has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, still play hard, I think the Utes can pull this one out in Tucson. All righty. Uh, next up, we got Louisville at Miami. The rare pick game. I feel like yeah. it's, 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 a, it's rare when it's just lands exactly on pickham it definitely the result almost never lands exactly on oh, interesting yeah yeah so <laughs> miami going back to tyler van dyke after emory williams got hurt van dyke the last three games he's played zero touchdowns six interceptions so weird uh, man and i yeah maybe not fully healthy himself going up against uh, a good louisville defense i see him struggling again Louisville here trying to clinch a spot in the ACC title game. I mean, even if they lose, uh, still likely to get there. But this this would clinch it. Jeff Brom, always love him in big games. And he is 
has had a, a couple extra days to prepare with them playing a, a Thursday oh, yeah. game this this past week. Um, so I'm going to take Louisville. I'm going to take Brom over Cristobal, and I'm going to make <laughs> it my lock of the week. Yep. All right. Moving on, Georgia is favored 10 at Tennessee. And this is another game to me where it, it seems just too easy to take the favorite. Um, Georgia, they've yeah. easily handled the Vols over the recent years. Obviously just had their best game throttling Ole Miss. Offense firing on all cylinders. Defense, great. And, and then you've got the Vols who come in just got blasted by 30 against Mizzou. But my case for taking Tennessee here is they're back home in Neyland. They're not. I don't think they're as bad as they just showed. Obviously, not as good as they were probably last year. Um, you know, they for them, they would still love to beat Big Bad Georgia, two-time national champ. That's uh, the three thirty Eastern CBS game. Maybe Heupel's going to mix in Nico a little bit more this week. So I'm only taking them this week just to be a little contrarian. So I'm taking the Vols plus the ten. No. <laughs> yeah, that's dumb. That's dumb. No doubt there. Um, UNC at Clemson. Clemson is favored six and a half. Carolina defense has just fallen off a cliff the uh, second half of the year here. But the offense is still great. Drake May to Devontae Walker has been a lethal combination. Marion Hampton on the ground. Plus six and a half points against a still not fully healthy Clemson team. I got to take those points. I know Clemson's played better the last couple of weeks. If you bought their stock, you are <laughs> riding high right now. Um, but it's, it haven't been so good as to erase my memory of their struggles throughout the season to win by margin against mediocre teams, much less a a pretty good North Carolina team. So that's why I'm taking the points. Yep. All right. Here is a great one. Washington at Oregon state. The Beavers are favored two and a half. Yeah. So like you said, so Washington 10 and 0, like you said, though, six straight games of, of, of pretty close ones at the end. Um, they're really not playing any better than, than Oregon State. And unfortunately, we're not the only ones that, that know that. It seems that yeah. the, uh, the betting market is aware. And so making Oregon State the, the favorite. But I'm still going to lay the two and a half. Oregon State balanced offense. DJU 9.1 yards per pass attempt. Damian Martinez 6.6 yards per rush. It's not like their offense is uh, head and shoulders behind Washington. They've, they've been great themselves. And the defense has been significantly better than than Washington's defense. But Oregon State doesn't lose at home. They don't lose at home. So give me the beeves. I'm just unfortunately I'm going the other way. I I, I love also for dumb. The You're being really dumb this I'm week. I'm being I'm dumb this episode. Um <laughs> I, I love pulling for the Beavers, you know, even more so since they're getting left behind. But I'm going with Washington. And I going into this, I I'm like you. I thought I would take Oregon State, but um you know, and I, I look at it too because like I know Washington isn't as good as their record says there is, but they do have a better offense than the Beavs, and and I think it's the best offense the Beavers defense has faced by a decent margin. The next best offense that they faced was Arizona, and Arizona beat them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, I and then I look at like Jonathan Smith's done an incredible job getting DJU to be much better than what he showed at Clemson. But again, the advantage still goes to panics. The the worry that I do have for Washington is they are 127th in um, success rate against the run. Obviously, Oregon State can run the ball pretty well. So uh, not ideal, but I think the Huskies offense can overcome that. And this is going to be 
my most reluctant lock I've ever had, but Ooh. I'm taking two and a half with Washington. Yeah, I, that was like, I don't even, yeah. it's like a one beeper. Yeah, that's, that sounds like me last week. I forget who, I don't even remember it. Whatever it was, I think it lost. Was I, did I take, did I lock in Penn State? I don't know. Whatever. I can't remember. Whatever it was, it didn't go well. So I don't see any. Oh, now I see you. Okay. Kansas State minus seven and a half at Kansas. We got what the, the Sunflower Showdown? Is that what they call it? Oh, yeah. Um, I do not want to step in front of this Kansas State train right now. Yeah, they lost it at Texas, but you can forgive that one. Otherwise, they've just been murdering teams. Defense right up there with Texas for best in the Big 12. Offense playing great. And Kansas's quarterback, well, obviously Jalen Daniels, we know it's just not good. Well, not healthy. Uh, Jason Bean had a head injury. Is uh, Lance Leipold said he's optimistic that he'll play this weekend, but we still don't know. And... You know, even if even if he plays, I, I still like K State. But if he doesn't, you got a freshman oh, walk on going up against this K State defense. Then I'm I'm loving minus seven and a half. So, yeah, either way, give me the Wildcats. All right, another Big Twelve game. Texas favored seven and a half at Iowa State. And Texas, this is this is a game. This is a game that old Texas would lose. Um, I'm really <laughs> curious to see them here. You know, they win this, their sizable favorite in their finale against Texas Tech next week. And they're a Big 12 title game away from possibly being in the playoffs. So off the cuff, when I looked at this, I thought I would take Iowa State here, especially with the good atmosphere in Ames. But I'm going to be a sucker. I'm going to buy into Texas for this game, give the points. Matt Campbell's done a good job with this team, especially when they started. They put up seven in a game against Ohio and lost. But they have struggled against the better teams that they've played. Uh, I know Texas lost uh, Brooks at running back. That's a concern, but Baxter filled in pretty well the last two games. I like that Ewers got a game under his belt last week, so he should be full go. And the defense, I think, can somewhat stymie uh, freshman Rocco Beck. So I'm taking Texas. All right. Well, let's see if uh, I can get the volume of this correct. Let's close (laughs) out the episode with a questionable finish. I think it sounds pretty good. I'll turn it up a little bit. Uh, yeah. All right. Anyway, <laughs> we got a, a Patreon question from Jeremy. Who is the best first-year head coach so far and who has been the worst? Okay, for best, I'm going to say Barry Odom at UNLV. They are I eight. agree. Oh, really? Same answer. Yeah. I thought you were going to go Jeff Brom, but yeah. I 8-2 and two, UNLV, like they're doing things that haven't been done in ever uh at unlv and and they were actually an easy easy catch away from winning at fresno and being nine and one but either way eight and two in the mountain west race that's super impressive yeah i considered jeff brom uh jamie chadwell at liberty being undefeated and uh gj kinney at texas state outperforming there but barry odom's the pick uh okay all the the worst oh yeah go ahead I'll say Zach Arnett at Mississippi State. Just mm, yeah, switching the offensive scheme, like I said, didn't work out. And just they were supposed to be, you know, uh, I think they were preseason 29th in SP Plus, and they really haven't been close to that. I want to say they're 70th or, or something like that. I probably should have uh, remembered that. I thought it, I looked it up and I was like, oh, I'll remember this. <laughs> <And then> nope. <laughs> no, I, I, I too, I would have had. I, there was a couple guys that I thought it was. <laughs> 
Scott. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Trey. It's not really relevant to the discussion, okay? It's 2023, man. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Scott Satterfield. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh, Trey's having trouble. Patreon Lots crowds getting to Scott see Satterfield it. and Luke yeah. Fickle. They just, I mean, they're, I think they're still good, but relative to expectations, they've been a disappointment this year. But, but no, I had, uh, I had Arnett. Okay. All right. You cut out there again, but I trust that uh, hopefully the, the audio captured it. So, James, we had a question from James, another patron. Would you be in favor of a Champions Classic style kickoff event to week one? or two of the CFB season? If so, what changes would you make from the college basketball format? Maybe choose four teams based on prior year's results. Yeah, I kind of like what he just laid out there because because the Champions Classic now, it's the same four teams every yeah. year. College basketball, that can kind of work. Obviously, those four are pretty much always good. College football, you can have some, some of the top guys just aren't good every year. So ha- I like having the, the previous... Maybe it's the last year's the final four that make it and and just roll with those guys. Because even if yeah. one of those teams oh, well. like loses a bunch, you know, at least you're guaranteeing yourself a majority of those guys are all they're all good. Yeah, and I I also like the idea. I I would want to switch it up more often because basketball you're seeing thirty games a season, so it's not a big deal if you have a repeat here or there. But in college football. We only get, you know, like three non-conference games, so I don't want right. the, the same ones every year. But um, but I would be okay with like a three-year uh, period where, you know, they all play each other, and then you kind of, then you s- switch up the four teams after that yeah. three-year period. But, but it, I it would, would be, go... Oh, go ahead. Okay, I would go the first three-year period, give me Oregon, Georgia, Texas, and Florida State. And that's... Not necessarily the four teams that have earned it, but just the four that are most interesting to me. Because um, you got Georgia, kind of the the top the top bulldog, the top dog, yeah. and then the other three that are kind of trying to step into that elite category. That would be pretty awesome. And and bottom line, it would just because every year we get usually about one marquee game that first weekend. But knowing each year that you're kind of guaranteed to have a couple would be awesome to look forward to. Trey, can you name me the four that are in the uh, college basketball one? Kansas, Duke, Kentucky, and Michigan State. Very good. All right, let's pick our upset specials. I am taking App State as a nine-point dog to, to ruin game days going, right, to, yeah. to James Madison. Uh, the Dukes are 5-0 and in one-score games this year. Maybe that luck's going to turn around here. Joey Aguilar, quarterback for App State, having a great year, dual threat. Uh, Nate Noel at running back uh, seems to be back healthy from his injury. Had a had a, a good last game. So, App State could ruin the dream season. All right, I'm going to go with off the radar. Sam Houston getting 12 and a half at Western Kentucky. Sam Houston's two and eight, but that they've won their first two games the last two weeks. They're learning how to win. They had close losses before that, and I think the Hilltoppers maybe they're disappointed. They're out of the. They've lost three or four out of the conference title race. All righty. Uh, last thing we have here, not the end of the episode yet. We have um, a an Instagram DM from Juv One, and he Trey he respectfully owned us. 
in, in that DM. But that's I that's good. Like you are allowed to own us if it's respectful. So I appreciate Fair. that. So here's what he said. He says, Hello, my dear sirs. Let's get straight to the point. A good while ago I sent you this question about wasting the most talent. Uh, I wasn't able to find the episode in which you discussed the topic, but what I remember is you didn't agree with my opinion of Texas A&M being the mm. graveyard of blue chip prospects. In yeah. that particular episode, you remember that? That's, yeah, I can. I remember that. In that particular episode, you talked about how wasting talent isn't about how many players go off to the NFL, but it's rather production on the field. And that's absolutely true. Right now, it's safe to say that Texas A&M is wasting a horrendous amount of talent when it comes to both categories, talent transferring to the NFL and production on the football field. They aren't; they just aren't winning enough football games. So I wanted to address that I was right all along. To wrap this up on a positive note, your show is hands down the best college football podcast out there, and I've listened to every one of the episodes, and I'll continue to do so. If I was able to leave a five-star review, uh, I would do so, but it's not possible on Spotify. With best regards, a college football bros fan from Finland. So that wow. was that was an yeah that was an awesome DM to get. So appreciate that. Yeah, and cool. and it's good right. because yeah yeah it's like you can come back at us you know years later after the the take has resolved and be like I told you guys like that's that's great like that is I mean it's not great it makes me it makes me upset that I was wrong but but especially because I I went back and found the episode so. February 17th, 2022 was the, the date of the episode. And his question starts at 1705, if you want to go back and, and listen. But I was like, I was the ringleader of you guys, you and Ryan don't even come off really bad. But me, I'm I'm kind of playing Texas A&M defender, Jimbo defender. And yeah, sure. Didn't uh, didn't work out. I was uh, I was wrong. Yeah, he was spot on Jimbo. Yikes. Ouch. Big yikes. Um but yeah, thanks again for the DM and uh, star ratings on Spotify. I think you can do and five star reviews if you have Apple Podcasts be great as well. Um, but yeah, other than that, we will. All DMs are open if you wanna if you wanna respectfully own us uh, as well. <laughs> but we will talk to you next week.